This is Andy Poirot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm joined by trainer Dominic Ingall here in Sheffield. Firstly, Dom, how are you doing? I'm not doing bad actually, but you know what? I've just sent a message off Kid Gallard. Look what it says here, look. He's walked in earlier on when I've been doing AFL and it says, it says, no more interviews please till after the fight, okay. That's what he's put. So, and he's the boss, you see, he's paying me a load of money for this fight. So, I think you've just missed your time slot, look, I'm not lying. Dom is not lying. Any chance we can squeeze? No, I'm only joking. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just had to check. That's what it's All right. <laughs> just had to check. But you did say, to be fair, in the past interview, I know kid came over to try and get, uh, just get something off you. And everything's in the schedule. He's not sticking to the plan, but never mind. Come. Obviously, we're here. It's in Sheffield, and Cal Brooks returning. His first fight in 14 months. A lot of questions about what will we see from Cal on Saturday. You've obviously been working with him in the gym. What should we expect to see on Saturday night? Um, you know. We hear it so much, don't we? Oh, it's going to be a fantastic, best camp he's ever had. It's going to be a fantastic performance. But, you know, he has, he has had a good camp. He, he, and as you can see, he's in tremendous shape. He hasn't come in four pounds underweight this time. He's come bang, bang on more or less. Um, he's been spoiling a lot of young kids, a lot of young amateurs, kids who are game, fresh, who, who want to really cut the teeth on him. And that's what you need. You need somebody with a bit of determination and who is young and they're going to come and make a name for themselves because they're very fast, they've got reflexes, they're strong and that's what Kel needs. I mean, DeLuca's 30, the kids that Kel's been sporing, 23, 24, 25, yeah, they might lack experience but for two rounds, they're dangerous kids and he's been handling those kids, getting out of the way of shots, avoiding shots against younger kids. So he's been looking good and... Um, you know, we'll see on Saturday night, the performance, he's done the training right, he's done the sparring right, he's done the weight right. All we need now, the box to tick off is, her, you know, the fight, make sure he fights the right fight. And there's very few instances where I've seen Kel like this, where he's gotten in looking like this and putting a rubbish performance. It's been a good performance. Um, it's almost two years since I trained him for a fight. The last fight I trained him for was Rabchenko, which was March 2018. Uh, he's been back in the gym for eight months. From what I've seen and how he's done it, he's looked well. But, you know, you can't beat for all the time. And, you know, even if you're, you know, you're training all the time or you're inactive, it catches up with you at some point. Hopefully it's not going to be Saturday night. I think he's going to put in a good performance and he can build on that maybe for the next 12 to 18 months. But if he puts in a bad performance, then we have to sit down and have a chat and, and see where it's all going because, you know, he's done everything right for the last six months, you know, he should be boxing well and if he doesn't then there's going to be questions asked before we come on to Carl's time away from yourself and everything just to stick with the fight why Mark DeLuca why Mark DeLuca as a first opponent back working back together again just a couple of opponents in the hat and he was a southpaw Kel likes fighting southpaws believe it or not even though Errol Spence beat him um, and I think he's somewhere down the line I think the promotional team over in Boston and maybe involved with Andrade it was an easy fight to make um, so yeah, that, that's he's tough, he's game, I think he's an ex-marine or a marine, I have seen him fight and he's one of them fighters I think that he will test Kelbrook, um, if Kel's got nothing left he will beat Kelbrook and if Kel's got something left he should beat this kid in style so that's where I'm thinking, you know, I looked at the guy and thought you know, he fits the bill, he's game enough, he can punch and he'll come for a fight and he'll, he'll, he'll put it on Kel. He won't be intimidated and, uh, you know, it's a stiff enough test for Kel. So we'll just, and he'll tell us where Kel Brook is. Obviously, for these past 14 months since Kel last fought, he's been trying to get either the Amir Khan fight or a world title fight. He's been trying to secure something. It hasn't come off. 
but even if you used to look back further so since he beat Sean Porter whenever I go on social media whenever we put videos up involving someone who works with Cal people say his career hasn't been guided in the right manner he should have been given certain fights when you look back and you reflect on Cal's career do you think yeah, we should, uh, not necessarily in your case, but for other people working with him, other fights should have been secured for him, other world title unification bouts, etc. What I'm going to say is this, and pay attention. When you're a fighter, a world champion at a certain level, the, what can I say, responsibility lies fairly and squarely on your own shoulders. You understand? You can get offered fights all day long. If you're not in the right place, the right mindset, the right weight, the right training camp or wherever you are, you're not going to, be able to take that fight. And, you know, consistency is a key in boxing. You've got to be consistent in, consistent in your training and your performances. And when Kel has fought, he has been very good. But he has been marred with injury, things going off outside of the ring, he got his legs slashed. There's lots of problems, sockets going. But, you know, a lot of the time, he's, he's been you know, um, not motivated because the fights he's wanted haven't come, but they probably haven't come at the right time. Do you understand? And I can remember when he became world champion, I think he thought all the pieces were going to fall into the jigsaw. He was going to box Thurman, Garcia, all these kids, Khan. But the fights, they weren't, they weren't taking the fights. They weren't taking the fights. Uh, you know, Errol Spence stepped, to the, stepped up to the plate. But, you know, people can say what they want about his career. You know, boxers have to fight and they have to take fights. But I would say nine cases out of ten, generally, the inconsistency with fighters not getting where they want to be is down to the fighter. That's where it is. And I've trained a lot of fighters in my time, Nazim Ahmed, Junior Witter, Johnny Nelson, big names, and it's across the board. Once the fame and fortune hits and the distractions, fighters become different animals. Happened with Anthony Joshua, happened with Nazim Ahmed, and it's happened with Kel Brook. And then you get a little bit wise, you know, you go back to the drawing board, you realise all the things people were telling you in the first place, don't do this, don't do that, or this is going to happen. And it has happened, it's happened to Anthony Joshua. They all get roped into the fame game, even Ruiz got roped into the fame game. You've got some fellow who's never made a fortune, all of a sudden he's making millions, and he puts on a load of weight, he's living the life. How on earth is he going to beat Anthony Joshua the second? He's not going to beat him. So, you know, people can say what they want. Uh, Kel Brook... You know, he's made his money, he's had some good fights, he's been world champion. Now the penny's finally dropped. Maybe it's too late, maybe it's not. We'll only tell from Saturday night. And hopefully he's got something left on Saturday night. We've got something to work with for the next 12 months. And I think how boxing is now with Eddie, the zone, the outlets for boxing, I think he can get some big fights and people will be more tempted to take the fights because I think they think he's on the slide. And that's always tempting because at 147, after beating Porter, he was dangerous. Nobody wanted to fight him, which is, you know, expected. So let's see what Saturday night opens up. He'll fight. Let's see what the performance he puts in, and let's see what it brings and it, who it brings out of the woodwork and who wants to fight him. What would you like to see Cal, for Cal Brook? Would you like to see him just chasing the 154 world titles? Because nobody's really put their stamp on the division, kind of being handed around to different world champions at the minute because nobody's been able to hold on to them. Or if that Amir can't fight, if for whatever reason after this fight Eddie was going to say, listen, deal's fair for you, we can sign it. 
what would you rather see? Cal back to 147 to fight Khan or 154 for a world title? For me, I just want Kel to be active. Look at Liam Williams from Efron, the guys he boxed, Joe Mullinder, then he boxed the, uh, the, the other guy. Uh, you know, Mullinder wasn't a fantastic guy, but look where he ended up, Liam Williams. We finished off the year against Atlantic Fox number one, WBO, rated by the Americans, only got beat on points by Andrade. Look at the, it's all practice. You know, this fight for Sat on Saturday for Kelly's practice. The next fight is practice for the big fights. Don't be chasing the big fights. The big fights will come. Just fight was put in front of you. Be consistent. Box every 12 weeks. Don't go out of camp. You know what I mean? Kel's 33 now. He can't take more, no more time out of the ring. He's got to be, he's got to be training all the time, consistently, nine, you know, five days a week, keeping on it. Whoever they put in front of him, just fight. If Eddie says fight, just fight him. If he's not a world title fight, no problem. He's been a world champion and he didn't get what he wanted to get. He didn't get the fights he wanted. It's about being active. Be active. Beat kids. And then eventually the job will come. Do you understand? That's what I would say to Kel Brook. Don't be chasing anybody. You know, just if Eddie says this is who you're fighting, just fight who's put in front of you. That's what you've got to do. Obviously, earlier on in the interview, you mentioned that it was two years ago since you last actually had Cal for a fight. Obviously, Cal went away to train with John Fuchs for the Michael Zarafa fight. When Cal first came to you and said, I'm going to do this with John for this fight, what was your initial reaction to Cal deciding to move away from the Ingle camp for that period? Well, this is how I look at it. You're a smart kid. I think your dad's got a few quid. And let's just, easy, he's hiding it from me. Well, let's just say one thing. If your dad had a £300,000 car, he had a Lamborghini, would he let you drive it? I hope he would. I don't think he would, but I hope he would. Yeah, but he wouldn't, would he? No, he won't let you drive it. He'd let somebody with a bit of experience drive that car, who he knew wasn't going to bump it and crash it. Do you understand? So, and that's what it's like with trainers. Kel Brook is an high-performance athlete. Do you understand? And you can't have kids steering that athlete. John Fuchs, no disrespect to him, do you understand? He's a nice enough fella. But you've got to operate at a certain level for a certain period of time before you can even think about training fighters like Kel Brook. And that goes to all the fighters out there who think they can pick Mickey Mouse trainers out of the crowd, pay them peanuts, and train them for world-class fights. It doesn't happen. Do you understand? That there's a reason why Lennox Lewis you know, and Manny Pacquiao have people like Freddie Roach as trainers. Even though Freddie Roach has got um, Parkinson's, he's still training people because he's got experience. And what he, It's not about pad work, I keep saying this. It's about gauging the opponent, telling the fighter what he's got to do to beat that guy. All the pad work in the world is not going to make you a champion. You understand? So you're paying those guys for experience over years. The people he's had, he's had a good track record. So, you know, same with Emmanuel Stewart, he trained the Klitschko's, he trained Lennox Lewis. He's experienced, you know, he probably didn't even do pad work. He never boxed as a pro, he had good amateur fights. But you don't even have to be a boxer to be a good trainer. So, and those trainers come at a cost. And if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys training you, that's where it is. So, no disrespect to John Fuchs. If somebody came to me, let's just say, flame me, would ask me to train him, I'd say, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to train you because you're a very high level athlete, you've more or less trained yourself, you're good around your team. Sometimes you have to turn, and I have turned fighters down who come to me that I don't think I'd, it'd work for me, or maybe won't do as I ask them to do. And you've got, and you know, that's what you've got to be as a trainer. You can't train everybody. And I have turned decent fighters down. You've got to be able to work with kids that you know you can change or help. And you've got a, uh, a product like Kel Brook. You've got to have enough in the tank or enough knowledge and experience to be able to take him through a fight. And Kel Brook got through that last fight 
for Kel Brook. Do you understand? He bit on his gum shield and dragged himself through that fight. That fight was a six-round fight. Should have been a six-round fight. Do you understand? And it wasn't. And that's where Kel Brook learned a lesson. He won the fight. Luckily, he won. But, you know, you've got to be very careful when you're getting in that fight. You get into fights. You've got to have somebody who knows when to stop a fight, start a fight, what to do in a fight. Uh, that's what boxing's about, being a trainer. So forget about all this fancy pad work and all these pad men coming along and doing these fantastic routines. It means nothing. It means nothing. Just an experience. Look at Joe Gallagher. Joe Gallagher came from the Phil Martin School of Trainers. Phil Martin was a trainer from Manchester years ago. Suzanne. And most of the trainers in Sheffield, Ryan Rose, Dave Colwell, they came from our gym. I trained them. Do you understand? I trained them. And they're doing all right. And they're doing all right because they came through the Brendan Ingle system of training. And that's where they get so... They might not have got a lot of experience in their own right, but they've drawn on experience. That's how they become good trainers. And I see some of these trainers around now, and I've never heard of them. Look at Robert McCracken. He's been around. He boxed. Look how he trained Howard Eastman. Look at what, what a job he did on Cole Froch. Look what a fantastic job he did on Anthony Joshua. Do you understand? Nobody can ever undermine him because he knows what he's doing. He's proved it time and time and time again at a very, very high level. Do you understand? And it's not for anybody else to make you know, uh, assumptions on him. He knows what he's doing and he trains the GB team. He's got experience. He should never be questioned. But unfortunately, people do question it. Do you understand? Uh, and they shouldn't. So, you know, that's my take on, on trainers and boxers. And Kel Brook, you know, hopefully puts in the performance. Um, you know, you're always all picking up the pieces and trying to work on something better. We need to make him, you know, we need to make him shine on Saturday night and, and you know, recapture the hearts of the Sheffield people. And hopefully he will. I think when the adrenaline kicks in and the bright lights turn on, the way he's trained, you know, he's going to switch on, he's going to put in a great performance. You know, whether it's a world championship fight or it's the Luca, he needs to win the fight and he needs to look like the old Kel Brook. Final thing on Carl before we move on. On a personal level, did you feel hurt at all or frustrated when he went away for that camp? No. Why, why would I? Do you understand? It's, look, boxing's a business. I've known him a long time. You look at the positives, do you understand? Kel Brook, to a certain degree, for a certain part of my career, put me on the map in a certain way. And it worked very well. And I got paid. So, and he never cleared off without paying me. And he told me he was going to do something else. So it's not an issue. He is the one paying the money. Do you understand? So it's his choice who trains him. Whether I think that's right or wrong, that's not really relevant. But, you know, it's, it happens time and time again. But it was never a fallout. We never had a fallout. We had a conversation. I said, you're not a problem, Kill. You do what's best for you. And the door is always open. You can come back any time. You can walk through that door and everybody go, all right, Kelly, you're going on. That's it. Because he's been around the gym for 20 years. Why would you fall? Why would you waste 20 years on, on a decision? It doesn't matter. He's made his money. He's had a great career so far. And it's his choice as a man. He's got three kids of his own. He's got to make his own choices. And he did. Whether that's right or wrong, it's not for me to say. It's for him to work out in his mind whether for him it was a good move or not. That's your choice everybody makes. So there was never going to be a fallout, ever. Let's move away from Cal and on to Kid Gallad, who's also in an IBF final eliminator on Saturday night. Claudio Marrero, just talk to me about what you expect in that fight and how Kid's kind of reacted to his defeat to Josh Warrington and the experience that that's provided him. Um, I'm just have to check. Sorry. Yeah, carry on. Right, Marrero, tough kid. Can fight, you know, he's proven very, very dangerous. Uh, you know, not an easy fight. 
Warrington, I think Gallagher walked away from that fight thinking he, he should have been world champion. He wasn't, and that's it. He accepted it, move on. You know, go back to the drawing board, start again. Uh, I think Josh Warrington knew uh, he'd been exposed in that fight. And, and look at the, the next opponent he boxed. He wasn't even worthy of a world title fight. Well, that was, you know, I could have knocked him over the back of my hand. Um, so that's not going to do anybody any good going into big fights. You know, he was chomping at the bit, telling us how he's going to have all these fantastic unification fights because two American clean up. Well, he hadn't done that. He's all paying the sky. So forget about Warrington. Hopefully he goes on and he gets the unification fight and he wins. It's good for British boxing. But for Galad, it was a case of going back to the drawing board, doing his thing. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to train hard. He has trained hard. He's got it all to do in this fight. Trust me, it's not an easy fight. We haven't overlooked this kid. He's tough. He's come over here to fight. He looks in great shape. He can punch. He's dangerous. He's going to come for a tear up. He's going to try and take Galahad out of his comfort zone. But, you know, Barry's an old man to beat. Liam Williams, obviously last time out in December, he put on a brilliant performance against Atlantis Fox and stopped him. Everybody was under the impression it was a final eliminator for a WBO title. After that, WBO came out saying it wasn't. What was your understanding of the entire situation when it all unfolded? There's a man in front of him, he's got to beat him, that's what he did, that's all I, I need to understand. I don't really care whether it's an eliminator, world title fight, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever it is, it was a good performance, he got paid, he demolished the kid, and everybody's talking about Liam Williams, end off. So, somewhere down the line, a world title fight will be made. Liam Williams has got patience now, I told him, fight was in front of you, forget chasing world title fights, they will come for you, don't worry about it, it'll happen. So, you know, Liam Williams is in a great place at the minute. Ivan Garbu obviously recently came out, the WBC said they found an adverse finding in one of his test samples. Again, what, what is going on there? Because since then it's all gone a bit quiet, nobody knows what the situation is. What can you tell us about everything that went on there? All I can tell you is he don't eat Pringles. Yeah, he don't eat Pringles at all. And uh, that will come out, that's down to his management team to you know, put that statement out. I could, I could tell you, but it's really irrelevant in my, in my opinion. I do love you know, how much social media attention it's got. It's great because there's a lot of ignorant people out there speculating. You know, fantastic. Keep, keep, it, keep it open um, and we'll see. Uh, even Garbo, good kid. Uh, hopefully a uh, couple more months he'll be back in a fight. But it's not for me to say. Let his team do it. I don't manage him. If, it, if I was a manager, I'd tell you. Uh, so, yeah. What did you make of some of the social media comments? Obviously, you just mentioned the Pringles comment there. I know Sonny Edwards was vocal about it, amongst others. What did you make of kind of people trying to say certain things about your gym? Because Kid Cal had previous fight test, Billy Joe Saunders, and now in Garbu with his adverse finding. What did you make of people's comments? You know what I made of it? There's a lot of people out there who've got a lot of time on their hands who need to get a life because they spend far too much time on social media. Do you understand? And, um, you know, being successful, you're always going to get people sniping. That's what they do. Because what they've got to realise is it's down to hard work and consistency. And some people like to think they're training hard, but they're not training hard. So whatever you're going to have some kind of success, there's always going to be somebody pulling you down. And, you know, go for it. You're, not, you're never going to be... In, I'd rather be in that position to be not relevant, where people aren't even interested. So, you know, great. Social media's got a voice. Uh, like I've said before, Twitter's very vitriolic very bitter people on there but you know I don't even know these people don't really care it's not making a difference um, I know what the facts are uh, I know how drug testing works in boxing and uh, you know we've had a, a great gym for years and years and years they're all 
drug tested, randomly, after fights. People don't understand how much drug testing you have to go through. VARD is a different situation, not one of my favourite organisations, purely because of how they have their rules and regulations, what's classes in and out of competition, which is a bit ridiculous. But that's by the by. Um, you know, Angarbu won't get a ban. He might get taken out of the WBC ratings, just like Billy Joe Sons didn't get a ban uh, for his cold medication or whatever it were. So, yeah, you know, people are going to talk, but like, let's just wait and see. And uh, I'm sure when the results come out, you know, you'll put out a nice big tweet or you'll do some interview on it and think, oh, that was a bit ridiculous, really. Moving away from all of that and on to Willie Hutchinson. I'm excited myself to see what the year has for Willie. What is the plan for him? How far away do you think he is from maybe total fights? Well, he's a long way. He's only, 20, he's only 21 years old. And uh, I'm sorry I'm on my phone no, again. Fine, it's, uh, he's 21 years old. He's got a lot of time in front of him. He's living in Sheffield. And, you know, he's a good kid and it's going to be a few years yet um, before he's chasing titles because he's got a lot to learn in the pro games. And, um, you know, people want to rush you into fights. I look at Dubois against Joe Joyce. You've got a young kid there against a mature fella. You know, for me, probably a bit early, but we're in that age now where people want everything yesterday. Um, so with Willie Hutchinson, you know, he's got a good manager, Shelley Finkel, who understands the game. We've got a good relationship and... I will be looking, you know, maybe 15, 16, 17, 18, even 20 fights before Willie Hutchinson even starts touching British title fights. It'd been some good fights, but he's only young and there's a lot to develop because he's one of the fighters that once he gets up there, he's got to stay there. And generally when fighters who are young don't stay there, it's because of uh, inexperience. So he's got a lot to learn. He's, he's obviously moved away from Scotland, miles away to live in Sheffield. He's just finding his feet there. And uh, yeah, he's going to be a good kid, and he's going to be uh, going to be a good good ten year project. And he's going to be a good kid. He's going to win maybe titles from super middleweight to, to light heavyweight. It's going to be good. Just quickly get your thoughts on a few fights that are on the up and coming. You just mentioned Dubois Joyce there. What are your thoughts on it, Verdon? Well, it's hard to say because Joyce is is a tough kid. He's you know he's he's very like uh, you know he's very deceptive. He can fight. He's been in with good quality opposition. But uh, Dubois, you know, game is young. He can punch. Who knows? For me, probably needs a bit more building, but who knows with that fight, who knows, it's, it's going to be, there are kids at that age, 20, 21, 22, like Dubois, who pull it off. Um, so I'm, I don't watch too much of them, I'm a bit undecided, you know, I, I'd have to say, I don't know, that's what I'd have to say. And about two weeks away now from Walder Fury 2, Dom, just break that down for me, how do you see it playing out? Um, they've both boxed each other, Tyson's got a very good boxing brain. Uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, on its simplest terms, is a one-punch wonder, which he is, and it's a case of Fury avoiding that shot and, you know, outboxing him, making sure he doesn't land more, you know, land that shot again. And I think Tyson knows what to expect even more so now, and I think it plays in Tyson's favour more than it does Deontay Wilder. And finally, someone who you used to train, and you never know, you might train him again, Billy Joe Saunders. His name is being linked to either Canelo or Callum Smith. Firstly, with Canelo, how do you think Billy Joe would fare against him? I don't think I don't think they're ever going to, you know, really entertain uh, Canelo for Billy Joe Saunders because I think Canelo would rather pay people, you know, decent money and not have a have a risk. And I think with Billy, for me, you know, if, if I if I were going to make the decision, I would say, you know, the fight get Billy in with. Uh, Callum Smith, I think after the performance against John Ryder, I think it's a very good fight for Billy. Billy will be, I think Billy would beat him. Um, and then Billy can command more than from the Canelo. At the minute, 
he, even though Billy wasn't, didn't look fantastic in his last fight, there's a lot, you know, for, for various reasons, I still think it's going to be an hard fight for Canelo. And they will keep Billy off the scent by offering him rubbish money. And I think Billy needs big money for that fight. And I think he deserves big money for that fight. Uh, if that doesn't come off, put him in with, you know, Smith. Let's see who is the best at British level. And if he beats Callum Smith, then he can come on, come on more money. So that's, that's what I'd do. Well, Dominic, we will leave it there because I know that I've got Kid Callahad probably behind me wanting to speak to you. But I appreciate you hanging around and thanks for being boxing social. No problem. Sport.